0: twice and keep listening. Play twice and keep listening. How do I start? Hi, Teamsters. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hi, Teamsters. I'm Carrie Ann.
1: And I'm Allison. And this is Podcast Without an Audience. Where two friends pick two topics and find intersections. Or not. And girl, it is a Tuesday.
0: <laughs> How? cha cha Tuesday. Uh, And it is the Tuesday before this episode comes out. Like... Not tomorrow. Right. The following day. Exactly.
1: We are pushing it. To the limit. To the limit. Take it to the limit one more time. Push it, push it.
0: Real good. Um, um <laughs> It's also eight o'clock at night on a Tuesday. It is. Like we are. We're
1: turned up. We're turned up. <laughs> I wish.
0: Yeah. Um, no, this is completely sober. But I'm
1: feeling good. Yeah. I, I am. Ex- I'm really, really f- excited about my topic. I am too. Well, and, and so... Dolly is asleep over here on my topic subject book, which the audience obviously knows, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. She's curled up on the Book of Mormon. (laughs) Oh, how very holy of her. (laughs) Holy angel. So I am doing a two part, my (gasps) first multi part. And I am doing the Book of Mormon. I am here for it. I'm excited. It is. A wild ride. (laughs) Um,
0: our two topics for this week are going to be very interesting. Are they? Yeah. Well, you might as well tell me what yours is. Okay, so I'm doing Operation Midnight Climax. Uh, okay. Which is, you're gonna find out all of this in just a minute, and I still want to talk about, you know, what the hell you've been up to since I last talked to you, but, um... Yeah, it is basically the CIA and LSD and mind control. (gasps) I love mind control. Yeah, we're here for
1: failed CIA experiments. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, I cannot wait to get to that. Um, But mind control already, maybe. Some link up there? Link up? That's possible. I'm not going to do a whole lot of speculating, but you might for me. (laughs) You know, I'm going to try and stay as neutral as
0: possible. Sure. Um, As possible. I don't have to be objective. No, you don't. So I will be inserting all of my thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least a few of them. Push it real good, girl. (laughs) How was Asheville? Asheville was amazing. We posted a really cute picture of you with Dolly Parton And, and RuPaul. Oh my gosh, that mural. Beautiful. So apparently the Dolly portion of the mural went up first for reason like it's dolly sure so dolly went up first and my friend who lives in Asheville that i was visiting said that she would drive by that street all the time and she noticed that they were painting a second person it started with just a blonde wig and she was like who the fuck Mm -hmm. has a blonde wig that looks just like dolly and the next time she drove past it was rupaul and i was like what yeah so did we go all the way out of our way to take a picture at this specific mural Yes, the fuck we did. Was it just for the podcast? No. But happy fringe benefit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I felt very grateful that you did so.
0: Yeah. Next time you have to go with me and we will take one together. Mm -hmm. um, And then we will switch sides so that we can both be close to Dolly and Rue. So we'll have to have two pictures. Yeah.
1: I feel connected to each in different ways. I know. I did, too.
0: I did, too. Oh, my God. I love that. Um, We also went hiking and spent some time on the Appalachian Trail, like looking for the leaves to see if they were changing. They were not. <laughs>
1: Spoiler alert. That's a hard no.
0: Uh, they will be by this weekend, I am I know, certain. right? Jeez I just days. missed it by like a few days.
1: How annoying is that? But it was still really beautiful. It's like that flower that blooms like once in its lifetime and then dies. Mm-hmm. Like you either miss it
0: mm-hmm. or you're mm-hmm. there for
1: it. Uh-huh. Or, that? Like it, in Dennis the
0: Menace. Do you remember that? Vaguely. No. No. Nope. That's, that's okay. It's a long time. <laughs> okay. Um... But yeah, so I think that's most went to a cool coffee place that had oh, they had Spice Girls as their pumpkin spice lattes. Oh, that's a so well, duh. I got a ginger spice and it was ginger and pumpkin spice latte oh i love that isn't that super cute that is really clever i took a picture of the menu so we might have to show that too because it was adorable yeah 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 we'll I was t- at this cool coffee shop called earthlings
1: cool awesome yeah. shout out yeah. love that well i took myself on a date to the zoo oh god you're precious and i on our close friends group so our patrons are on our close friends group on instagram so i was like take everybody went to the zoo with me <laughs> Um, it was really nice. It's hot. It's still hot. That's probably yeah. why the leaves are changing. Yeah. But I hadn't been in like ten years. Oh my gosh! So, had it really been that long? Yeah. And I'm wearing my zoo. I bought myself a zoo t-shirt. Let I me got, see. Stand up. Oh, oh, very cute. It says North Carolina Zoo. It does. Um, and the North Carolina Zoo is really awesome. Um, and there is an Africa and North America. Like portions, so you mm-hmm. can take a trolley or walk from one to the other. So that's very cool. And there's also, if anybody listens to the Unearthed Memphis podcast, which is amazing and super great, it covers all topics related to Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, cool. They have this really, really awesome episode about their zoo. And that's what kind of got me thinking. I was like, I need to go to the zoo. And I had listened to this like four or five months ago but oh wow i had a couple days off work and i was like i'm gonna take myself to the zoo and it was so good like i think everybody should take themselves on dates oh absolutely all the time
0: yeah yeah that's so much fun Mm -hmm. um i also heard that the north carolina zoo at some point is expanding to include like an asia uh exhibit like Mm -hmm. area Mm -hmm. um and maybe even australia oh cool i think we're the next two that they were looking at shrimp Um, barber. They've had Africa and North America for 20 years. So yeah. I don't know how soon they're looking <laughs> right. to do anything else. <laughs> they're
1: like, sure. Give sure. us all your money. We're definitely going to do it. But it's a it's a good zoo. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I was talking to our friend Lance, um, and I was trying to get restaurant recommendations for the city that it's in, and mm-hmm. it was a little touch and go. But yeah. I, did, I did feed myself.
0: Good. I'm yeah. so glad. So thanks, Lance. So overall, 10 out of 10? 10 out of 10. Good. Yeah. For date yourself day. Yeah. Oh, we should have a date yourself day. Oh, hashtag. Hashtag date yourself day. I love that. We'll start doing that. Okay. Add it to the list. That's self-care. I love it. Agreed. So, what are we talking
1: about? Oh, we I, you literally just told me. So, let's, Midnight, what is it?
0: Operation Midnight Climax. Okay. So, that sounds like something it might not it be. It sounds like maybe a 10 out of 10 day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds like <laughs> a self-care day.
0: Except it's not. Okay, so, I need you to prepare your body. Okay. Because this is a wild ass ride. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. All right. We're going back to the 1940s. Okay. Put Great. this in context for you. World War II has ended, mm-hmm. or by this point, World War II is ending. Uh, the Korean War is intensifying. End of the 1940s. End of the end, end of, of the, the 1940s. My bad. Okay. So by going back to the 1940s, mm-hmm. I mean forty-eight and forty-nine. Gotcha. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. World War II has ended. Korean War is intensifying. On April 30th, 1949. In a newspaper, it is published that the Soviet Union has an atomic bomb. Uh-oh. Not a great start to the day. No. Now, up to this point, the U.S. Uh, was the only country to have atomic bombs, so naturally, we're pissed. hmm The Cold War started in 1947 and went into 1991 and was kind of a thing that was happening, but this uh, atomic bomb is kind of a linchpin in the Cold War. Okay. Okay. Uh, So then there comes about this whole thing about spies. Everyone's obsessed with spies. Yeah, They're all over comic strips. They're in cartoons. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone's concerned about spies. Um, So on and so forth. They might be everywhere. Who knows? Probably. So the reason I'm giving you this history lesson is because the CIA begins to ask the question... What if we could control people's minds and brainwash them? Specifically, they were thinking about brainwashing rival spies and convincing them to work for us. Also, maybe creating a little army of spies. Why, seems. Would, why would they do that? Because it sounds appealing and mm-hmm. not at all morally questionable. It's
1: a power. <laughs> that's why. But wh- I, what if we brainwashed the other team
0: to fight for us? Like, yeah. what? Yeah, I know. It's... Okay. unsound logic. Yeah. unfounded. Great start. Yeah, <laughs> we're really off to a good start here. Um, they're also pretty convinced that the Soviet Union is already doing this to rival spies. There, that's there. That's what that's it is. what it is. It's a, whose dick is bigger contest. <laughs> so. A lot of my topic today is going to sound like a history lesson. We are going to talk about the mind control piece, but we really can't get into it without understanding the history of this. I love history. So I'm just kind of taking over. It's a history and history podcast this week. (laughs) Yay! With a little sociology (laughs) thrown in for good measure and maybe a cult. Yeah. Well. It's our podcast. We can (laughs) do whatever we want. Um. So, this fear of the Soviet Union um, brainwashing and controlling spies through mind control is what gave birth to the project MKUltra. The project was headed by Sidney Gottlieb and CIA director Alan Dulles and started on April 13th, 1953, and wasn't halted until 1973. Mm -hmm. So, that's like 20 years. Yeah. Um, Dulles was the first civilian director of the CIA and he said quote in the past few years we have become accustomed to hearing about the battle of men's minds the war of ideologies i wonder however whether we clearly perceive the magnitude of the problem whether we realize how sinister the battle for men's minds has become in soviet hands we might call it in its new form brain warfare mm. it sounds like something out of a sci-fi novel
1: well it reminds me of an x-files episode where they i think it was vietnam they try they don't train but they do some type of procedure where they stop the soldiers from sleeping uh-huh so this guy has lived you know uh, into the 90s having not slept for a long time that's terrifying yeah so that's what that but you know a little tinkering around for in the brain of war
0: yeah sure Clearly not a problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Basically, um, this program, uh, Project MK Ultra, is going to do experiments on human subjects that are highly illegal. Cool. Uh, MKUltra's goal was mind control and generally centered around behavior modification via electroshock therapy, hypnosis, radiation, a variety of drugs toxins and chemicals. Mm. Is there like a little Albie in all this or is this done to more than this is done to a, a, a bunch a, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We're getting heavy into the sociology of this right. in just a uh, minute.
1: A little Albie army. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> little Hans, little Albie. Yeah. Quote experiments on humans were intended to develop procedures and identify drugs such as LSD, which could be used in interrogations to weaken the individual and force confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. There were 149 sub-projects no. of Project MKUltra. Six that we know of performed experiments on unwitting victims.
1: <gasps>
0: These are their stories. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So, MKUltra started in 1953. In 1954, Operation Midnight Climax hits the scene. Oh my God. Again, this is one of the six sub-programs that was done on unwitting participants and right. victims. A little background. At this point, there's a conspiracy theory that the Soviet Union is trying to buy up all the LSD in the world. Oh. I don't know how we got there. Right. But someone has decided that the Soviet Union wants all the LSD. The U.S. assumes that this means that the Soviet Union is on their way to have a brainwashed army of minions. Right, obviously. The U.S. is like, not on our watch. Let's do it first. We've got the space race, the arms race, and now the LSD race. Mm. Never a sentence I thought I'd be typing. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't know anything about drugs for several reasons. So I went to my dear friend Wikipedia mm-hmm. and learned that lysergic acid diethylamide yep. LSD Mm-hmm is also known as acid and is a psychedelic drug. When used, it intensifies thoughts, emotions, and sensory perceptions. At high enough doses, it can result in visual and auditory hallucinations. Um, LSD binds to dopamine and serotonin receptors, Mm -hmm. which is one of the reasons that people really like it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also means that the effects are more energetic and fast-paced compared to some other psychedelics, which typically only uh, bind to dopamine receptors. Hmm. Typically effects begin with uh, within a half hour and can last up to 20 hours. It's often taken by mouth, under the tongue, or intravenously. It was developed in 1938 by Albert Hoffman, who was a researcher with the Swiss chemical company Sandoz. Cool. So LSD kind of hit the scene about 10 years earlier. 15 years earlier. Mm -hmm. Um in switzerland and then made its way to the u.s and we've got kind of this perfect marriage of here's a drug that we don't really understand what it does to people's brains but it certainly seems to make them happy Mm -hmm. and loopy
1: yeah, and, um, the,
0: and and in our synesthesia episode, you were talking
1: about the connection between all the senses. Yeah. I can imagine all the people, like, backpacking in Sweden, like, <laughs> getting their hands on some and, like, taking some home to their friends.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, back to Operation Midnight Climax. In 1953, or 54, there were a series of CIA-run, ironically named, safe houses in San Francisco. Hmm.
1: hmm. Okay.
0: Uh, There were also some in Mill Valley, California and New York City. These were established to study the effects of LSD on unconsenting individuals. Oh, my God. The CIA paid, quote-unquote, full-service sex workers to lure clients to the safe houses where they were given a wide range of substances, including LSD, and monitored behind one-way glass. What?
1: Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. So these are just like rando...
0: Johns. They're literal Johns. They're literal Johns. Holy shit. So a sex worker meets a John. Uh-huh. And is like, you should come back with me to what amounts to a brothel. Uh-huh. That is also CIA run. At that point, the sex worker gives the John LSD. Uh-huh. And the CIA is watching all True. of this through one-way glass.
1: Oh, my God. I was wondering where the midnight climax thing was coming from, and it sounded sexual. But, like, looking through a one-way glass in a scenario where somebody is being lured, lured under false pretenses, mm-hmm. that's so creepy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also, can you say voyeurism? Like, mm-hmm. watching people, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, George Hunter White is the supervisor for the New England area of the Federal Narcotics Bureau. And he said, I toiled whole, this is a direct quote, Uh I toiled wholeheartedly because it was fun, fun, fun. No, he did not. Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill, cheat, steal, rape, and pillage (gasps) with the sanction and blessing of the all-highest? The U.S. government. Oh, my God. I added the U.S. government. That is not part of the direct quote. Right. But the all-highest, assuming we mean the U.S. government and CIA. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. So, keep in mind, still, this is related to psychology. They are trying to understand the way that these drugs are impacting people's brains. Oh, my God. Consent. Consent? Consent. And also, maybe don't drug people. Yeah. Like, you consented to having sex with a sex worker. No,
1: I'm talking about consent for the drugs. Like, Like, I'm assuming that there is consent... In this in the sex part. In the sex part. I'm assuming yeah. so. But the fucking drugs part, like that is never okay. Never okay. There are inventions, like have you seen on like Instagram or Facebook where there's like cup condoms where you put like it's a barrier over your drink and you can stick your straw through oh, it yeah, so yeah, nobody yeah. can like spike put, your drink. Put anything in your drink. Or there's the nail polish that they invented at NC State where mm-hmm. it will turn a, a color different color, yeah. You know, and, and that is so problematic because that should not even be in the realm.
0: There was a trend on TikTok for a minute that was like, who would you trust to hold your drink at a bar? And so it was like giving somebody Like else a your, roulette situation? Well, like a, um, you know, I don't know you well, but I would trust this person to like hold my drink. Okay. And it was because they're, they were trying to like make the point that we can't trust random people with our drinks in bars because you're more likely to have your drink spike. So the this the the issue is bigger. Correct.
1: The issue is bigger and this particular example that you're talking about today
0: is contributing to the problem. Yes.
1: Holy it's contributing
0: shit. to multiple problems. We haven't even gotten into a lot of the problems. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So first and foremost, we have sex workers who are being paid by the CIA. Mm-hmm. To lure John's. Sure. They are also not in addition to paying them, they are um, vouching for them, like off the record. You know, if you get picked up by somebody else, let us know and we'll make sure that you don't spend time in jail.
1: What a power
0: dynamic. It's a fucking messed like, up power dynamic. Oh, absolutely. It is fucked all the way up. Uh, I hate this. Then we've got people drugging John's mm-hmm. with LSD. Um, because the CIA says so because they want to see about mind control and they want to see about interrogation techniques. Like they're studying a whole bunch of different things. Right. So, um, the San Francisco brothel in the Telegraph Hill neighborhood was one of the most popular places, Mm -hmm. one of the most popular safe houses. It had a quote unquote French whorehouse look. Oh, good. It was decorated with photos of can-can dancers, images of women in bondage, black curtains. It was supposed to, quote, look rich, but was furnished like crap, Mm -hmm. according to one of the Johns. Now, these were truly full-service sex workers. They were instructed how to question and investigate individuals and try to convince them to reveal their secrets after having sex with them. So they are drugging them and then engaging in sex sex acts Mm -hmm. while they're being watched. Yes. And then the sex workers are the ones who are interrogating. Oh my goodness. Yeah. The victims were sometimes fed subliminal messages in order or in attempts to induce them into actions such as robbery, assault, and assassination. So the sex worker, after engaging in sexual acts with the John, which I assume like gave time for the LSD to set in, mm-hmm. um, was then either questioning them and interrogating them, um, trying to convince them to reveal their secrets, or was trying to get them to do shit, like go rob this place or assault people or assassinate people. Oh my people. god, what a danger. Why? Great question. Because the government said so. Naturally, many of the CIA operatives involved in these experiments also voluntarily indulged in the drugs and sec- sex workers for recreational purposes. Of course. Of fucking course. A fucking course they did. Okay, obviously this is all illegal as hell. However, the program soon expanded. Oh, good. The CIA then began dosing people in restaurants, bars, and beaches. Are you kidding? Mm-mm. Now, remember... This is the now mid-1950s. What do we know about the 1960s in California and drugs? They were very popular, Carrion. They were very pro- popular is correct. We've all well, heard...
1: Sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm thinking about the um, the religious, quote, cult. It was a cult. They, they were charged in California or whatever. I'm sure I'll cover it for terrorism, bioterrorism, for food poisoning everybody in their city. Uh-huh. I don't see how
0: that's any different. Uh, this was government sanctioned. Yeah, but still <laughs> that's the only difference. Ugh. <sighs> they okay. were doing this to see if they could control people. Like right. that's the only difference.
1: Well, that is fascinating. So that's
0: how that's how LSD got so popular in California, I guess is what you're Well that's one at. theory is that's the sociology piece <gasps> of this is we've all heard about the 60s counterculture movement and use of drugs. It is unknown to what extent the CIA operation played a role in that. However, several people have strongly suggested that it was a large contributing factor because they're drugging people on the beach with LSD. They're literally creating a substance issue and then incarcerating people for it. Who fucking benefits? Oh, uh, I can't. Yeah, I know. This is wild, Karen. I fucking know. I'm so glad that I decided that this fell under the idea of (laughs) psychology. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I was not about to give this up. Um, Okay. So in 1963, the CIA Inspector General, John Ehrman, recommended closing all the safe houses. So they started scaling them all back... And closed most, if not all of them, by 1966.
1: So what they're doing is they're closing all of these places. The protection goes away for these sex workers. Correct. Who may or may not have developed some type Mm -hmm. of
0: drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And cool. Yep. So what's the outcome? What do we learn from all of this? Because remember, the goal is brainwash and mind control. Mm -hmm. Right? As far as we know, we don't have a brainwashed legion of people still being given LSD by the government. However, how would we know?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: However, um, White, who was the uh, head of the CIA, Mm -hmm. said that every subject but one gave more information than they had before while on LSD. However, officially, the results were deemed inconclusive. So they did all of this basically for nothing. Hmm. It was, quote, a failure and embarrassment for the CIA and provided inconclusive, unscientific results with scant, actionable intelligence applications. It besmirched the reputation of the CIA, both in terms of ethics and practicality, and negatively affected the lives of hundreds of people. Probably more than hundreds. Probably. TBH. Absolutely more than a hundred, yeah. um, So, basically... They did this big experiment for years, um, 1954 to 1966, so 12 years. Oh my god! Um, we have almost no data from it. Um, any data that did come out of it was unscientific because how the fuck do you measure this? Like there was no there's con- no control exactly. So in 1974, the journalist Seymour Hirsch, which you may have, who you may have heard of, mm-hmm. Seymour Butts. <laughs> exposed the cia spying on u.s citizens which was his big thing mm-hmm. and use of non-consensual drug experiments project MKUltra came to light in 1977 at which time it became apparent that the cia had eradicated the majority of the paper record for one of the u.s's most illegal undertakings so they destroyed <gasps> all of the data or as much of the data as they could i think they said they only found like seven boxes of papers about Project MKUltra and Operation Midnight Climax. There's
1: so much documentation that's been lost, mm-hmm. you know, due to it being paper. And it's so easy to get rid of. Yeah. It's so, I mean... You just have a
0: little bonfire, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly we don't know anything more than we knew before about LSD and mind control. That is so tragic. Isn't it fascinating? There would have been
1: nothing, like no evidence that they would have found that would have made it okay. But I, but that really like makes it seem completely, absolutely pointless, which it was, but like... That there's nothing. Like, there's seven boxes of, of, and of course, there's no commonalities because none of the
0: experiences were identical or even similar, probably. They didn't have a control group. They did not have a controlled space. There were too many variables. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who knows if they were even controlling the doses that they gave people of LSD? Well, like, there's nothing about this no. that's scientific other than. They're trying to figure out whether or not they could control people.
1: Oh my god! Using
0: ace. Well, they used a lot of other drugs too. This is just the one that Project or that uh, mm-hmm. Operation Midnight Climax used. So one was like LSD. One could have been like heroin so or something like that. There was a um, another offshoot project that happened. This is going to real, really hurt your soul. Okay. It happened at a mental institution in Montreal. Okay. And they used three different things. Um, sleep deprivation, Oh my God. electroshock therapy mm-hmm. and LSD in different combinations to see about controlling people that way. Well, and people. F- so that one was, This is awful. That one was a little bit more controlled Mm -hmm. because an actual scientist was doing the experiments. So it's still fucked that they did this on people who were already in mental health crises Mm -hmm. and were, you know, there to heal and instead are being experimented on. Like these are still human experiments, but they have more data from that theoretically because it was a controlled environment.
1: Oh my God. Well, sleep deprivation is huge yeah oh my goodness you somebody can't sleep then you after a couple days i mean you can die without
0: yeah what is it you can go um it's like five days without water yeah it's three weeks without food no three weeks something, something three days without something and Three minutes without air. I got that far. I can't go three minutes without air. I don't know that I could
1: either. Uh-uh. I only have one good nostril, so I'm <laughs> not so good
0: airflow, but no. Three minutes, uh-uh. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, no, they... I just...
1: The wow. idea
0: that our government was trying to control people and experimenting in uh, interrogation techniques... Like, on U.S. citizens. On U.S. citizens. And, and then ugh. still benefiting because now we can arrest people for drug Absolutely. addictions.
1: Absolutely. And the goal was to create an army or to, to basically prisoners of war to mm-hmm. then
0: bring or to even our, our own people. Like, some people volunteered for this. So, of the 140-something project to the MK Ultra, only six were six projects I don't know exactly how many people were done on um, people who did not volunteer. So a lot of the experiments that were done were done on volunteers. So we go back to the Stanford spe- uh, the prison, prison Experiment. experiment. Exactly. So there's some
1: random f- like ad in the newspaper for some like really Sketch obscure, <laughs> sketchy, vague
0: experiment mm-hmm. for $25 a day? Yeah, something like that. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Wow. Um, And a lot of people have been interviewed about it. It's basic. So because there's so little information about Project MK Ultra, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of information from people who were experimented on. Like Uh a lot of these people have come out and done interviews. Did they sue? Can Can they sue? I don't think so.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Um, apparently, somewhere between one and three people died from experiments. What? Um, I don't know a whole lot about it. This could also be a multi-part series. Like, oh Project MKUltra, we might have to bounce back and forth because some of it's much more history related. Oh, yeah. Girl, this I will one, take it over. <laughs> yeah, this one definitely had a psychology theme running through it with the way that drugs impact your brain mm-hmm. and um, certainly sociology. Like, right, Wow. I did do a disclaimer in our trailer all those months ago that I would be (laughs) covering psychology, social work, and sociology. (laughs) Right. So here we are. Wow. That is wild. I know. Oh, my God. Oh, I fucking know. Do you know how many YouTube videos I watched for this? A hundred. So many. Oh, geez. So fucking many.
1: Oh, how tragic. I kept thinking, like, 1954, that's the year my mom was born. My dad was four. Your dad was four. Oh, wow. That is wild. I. Thank you for sharing that with me. You're so welcome. That is just, I'd never heard of that. How did I do doing a history
0: topic? I am so proud of you. Thank you You so much. You did a really great job. Thank you. We should do this occasionally and just switch off. Absolutely. Probably not. I really love psychology.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about some more history. Great. And the Book of Mormon. And we're back. All right. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be doing a two-part series on the Book of
0: Mormon. The musical or the physical book? The physical book. Wonderful. So I have seen the musical. I have not, surprisingly.
1: It is good. I don't, like, listen to it. I, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because the, the Mormon church advertises in their, like, fl- not flyers. Their booklet. What am oh I? God, the uh, Playbill. Playbill. Yeah, and, and um, they say um, like, seen the play? Now read the book, which I thought was really
0: clever advertising. <laughs> that is really clever. I remember hearing that the uh, Mormon Church endorsed the play, like they were they like signed off, and they were like, we're totally cool with this. So that's fascinating. Yeah, it's not like when
1: I when I went to it, I thought it was going to be more about. The Book Mm -hmm. of Mormon, but there's a whole other storyline. It's about somebody going on a mission. It's about like a a pair of guys going on a mission to some country in Africa. I can't remember exactly where they went.
0: Do they have magic underpants? They do. Good. I cannot wait to learn more about magic underpants.
1: Well, let's go ahead and get started. Let's do it. All right. So the Book of Mormon is like the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible, they literally call it another Testament of Jesus Christ. Oh, so it's like the third Testament. The th- mm-hmm. ish ish. So it's in addition to the Bible. This doesn't replace the Bible for uh, the Mormons. Okay. So this book has been adopted by the church of Latter-day Saints or the Mormon church. And there is an FLDS sa- uh, section, which is the fundamentalist side, which practices plural marriage. I'm not going to get into that today. That will be saved for another day. So I do a lot of quoting from the Church of Latter-day Saints website. So that's the, that's the section. That's the portion we're going to be covering. Okay. Today and next week. It's more of like the mainstream Mormon. The mainstream Mormon. Sure. So similarly to the Bible, the Book of Mormon has many authors. However, as we spoke about in the Synoptic Gospel episode, um, we had a lot of questions surrounding like authorship and translation, and the Book of Mormon does its best to answer all these questions in the text for the readers. Oh. Yep. We like when they give us the answers. Mm-hmm. So, there are many parts of the book that people are probably familiar with, the magic underwear, for example, or, you know, some of the customs. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal today is to fill in some of those gaps and teach you some, some new stuff. And I started my research in two places. First, I pulled my Book of Mormon and started rereading it. I read, like, the first two books, and after two hours, I was like, my God. (laughs) Um, So I popped in my earbuds, and you can, like, listen to an audio version of it. And so I was, like, you know, doing it when I was cleaning. Because I had read it, like, years ago in college, but I, I needed a refresher when I was reading articles and everything. But the second place I went to was the website for the Church of Latter-day Saints to see what they said about their book. Uh And before reading the Book of Mormon, they want you to know five things. One, the Book of... And this is from their website. This is not... This is like what they... There's no ad-libbing here. No. This is like from their website. The Book of Mormon is the Word of God. That's number one. So, quote, just as God spoke to Moses and Noah in the Bible, he also instructed his prophets in ancient America. Huh. hmm Uh-huh. These prophets were inspired to keep a record of their history and teachings. Their writings were eventually gathered into one book by a man named Mormon... And the Book of Mormon teaches of Jesus' life and ministry and testifies of his power to save us from sins and death.
0: I have a question. Yes, ma'am. So, Mormon, mm-hmm. our guy Mormon, yes. knew Jesus, but was an ancient American. He did not
1: know Jesus. Remember, this is a...
0: Third this, Testament. This is
1: a Third Testament, so it talks about Jesus just like the Bible talks about Jesus. Okay. So we'll get into a little bit. Your questions might be answered, but nobody's saying they know Jesus. Okay. They know him. They know him in his heart. Well, that's not true. Well,
0: let mean, let me talk. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I've got you frazzled already. We'll get to it. One more follow-up question. Yes. Is our guy Mormon indigenous? No. So what does ancient American mean then? So we will also crotch, cr- Cross crotch the-, the bridge. <laughs>
1: Great. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of, you're going to have a lot of questions. (laughs) I always have a lot of questions. I know, and I'm going to do my best to answer them. I preemptively thought of all the questions you might have, and they're in here somewhere. (laughs) Some of them might be next week, so you might have to stay tuned. Okay. Okay, so the second thing they want you to know is that the Bible and the Book of Mormon support each other. Quote, Jesus frequently compared himself to a shepherd. He often spoke of his love for those who follow him, whom he called his sheep. So in John chapter 10, verse 16, while speaking to the people in ancient Palestine, he declares, quote, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Quote. So who are these other sheep that Jesus spoke about in his parable? The history of some of these other sheep is recorded in the Book of Mormon. Number three, if uh, the, the book will bring you closer to God. Number four, like the Holy Bible, the Book of Mormon is the true word of God. Mm. And then number five, you can get the Book of Mormon for free. Oh. Which is how I'm I got get mine. way. <laughs> I did not purchase it. Um, I got it from a set of missionaries who knocked on the door of my friend, Nurse Lauren, from college. Oh, uh-huh. We were just chilling, and we spent like an hour talking to these missionaries, and it was absolutely fascinating. In fact, when I pulled out my Book of Mormon because I haven't looked at it in Naturally. 10 years, yeah. I had this business card fell out, and I have this missionary's number. I got some digits. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah absolutely fascinating so they they talked to we talked to them for like two hours an hour something like that like a long time and we're not going to get too, like too far into the mission process but part of it is that they're not allowed to be in a home alone if there's not a male present oh so we had to go out to the picnic tables like in the apartment complex and talk to them huh yes very interesting i'm fast i'm hooked already yeah the book of mormon consists of 15 books 239 chapters and 6604 verses did you count how many words no words damn no any pictures no pictures there's a picture in the front
0: oh well that's something of joseph smith there he is so joseph smith and our guy mormon are two different people they are okay they sure are. Uh, Mormon is who collected all the texts and uh, put put them all together. So why is it not called the Books of Mormon? Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> unclear. <laughs> I don't know. The
1: time frames that they were originally written is unclear, um, which we will discuss in part two of this narrative. However, the first book of of the Book of Mormon claims to take place between 600 and 592 BC. And this particular book was written in first person. It's a first person account of this guy named Nephi. So it's expected that he must have written it within his lifetime. So that can give us some type of, you know, Mm -hmm. and again, people who know a lot about Mormonism are going, are like screaming, Talking about authorship because they know things that we're going to get to later. Right. So just keep that in mind. Okay. The book primarily narrates in chronological order, beginning with the first book of Nephi and ending with the book of Moroni. The only two exceptions for the chronological aspect is the Word of Mormon, which is Mormon's actual book that he wrote within the Book of Mormon. Uh, and the Book of Ether. So just like we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are all named after the people who supposedly wrote those books. So same thing with this. Quote, The Words of Mormon contains editorial commentary by Mormon. The Book of Ether is presented as the narrative of an earlier group of people who had come to the American continent before the immigration described in the first book of Nephi. End quote. It's like a,
0: what do they call it? A prequel? Sure. So I know that it's unclear at this time mm-hmm. when these were written. Do we have like a any kind of time frame? Like we do. We'll we're gonna get to it.
1: <sighs> I know. You gotta you I'm got, sorry. this is like I'm we're, we're in this for the long
0: haul. Okay. We're in this for the long haul. Okay, okay, so I'm gonna slow down and just be present with you.
1: In the first book, we're gonna be talking about the book. What it says, you know, who's the characters, basically, in this Christian Mormon text. Sure. And then next week, we're going to talk about Joseph Smith, who's the prophet, how he obtained all of these uh, words and, and all of that stuff. Got it. Which goes back to the authorship question. Okay. Okay. And the book is primarily written in first person, which is very interesting to read
0: in, like, a oh. biblical text. Oh, I bet. Yeah. And that's because Mormon added his own commentary? So, to some of them. So, some
1: of them are said to have been written like, I'm Nephi, and this is what happened to my dad, and to me, and to my family. And then other people, um, like, like Mormon is, Mormons is written in first person. There are other ones that were edited by other people and, coll- and collected by other people. So it was a class assignment and Mormon did all the work. Well, Joseph Smith did all the work, <laughs> <laughs> okay. but we'll, we'll get to that. So let's talk about what the book actually says. This is going to be story time. I'm going to be throwing a lot of names at you, so I will do my very
0: best to explain. So far, they Not all really. sound made up. It's
1: an interesting observation, Carrion. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So this quote is from the LDS website. Quote, Lehi... And this is, this is, we're talking about the general arc, the, the storyline of the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. So, Lehi is a prophet in Jerusalem. God warns Lehi in a dream to take his family and to leave Jeru- Jerusalem because the city will be destroyed. He and his family cross the ocean to the Americas. And in the book, they discuss the... Um, the promised land. So if you're reading this and you don't know that it's the Americas that they're talking about, you could think they you, you would have no idea.
0: How fucking white, though, to be like, America is the promised land. Yeah. This land that we have stolen from indigenous peoples. This is the promised land.
1: We're going to cross that bridge. <laughs> and it's not a good bridge. It sounds awful. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so uh, Layman and Lemel, Lemuel, Lemuel, Lemuel <laughs> the oldest sons, they don't believe in their. They don't believe their dad. They don't understand why they have to go with him because basically they're giving up all of their inheritance. They're giving up all of their money, and they're not stoked about their dad's idea to to take the whole family and make this journey. I don't blame them. So, this continues the, the quote. They were always complaining and having a hard time following God. But their younger brother Nephi is full of faith. Nephi is chosen by God to lead the family and be their teacher because of his obedience.
0: Uh, last born? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah. Sounds like some last born shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The best one. Thinking they're the chosen one? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and the dad thinks so too. I mean, God tells him he is. So that's sure. You know, who are we to what, question God? What validation do you need? <laughs> so the brothers and their wives have children and they spread out. Laman and Lemuel, I don't know how to say his name, hate Nephi so much that they want to kill him. The people eventually split into two groups the Nephites and the Lamanites. These groups are often at war and their faith is constantly being tested. This faith fills the pages of the Book of Mormon in the form of powerful sermons, life lessons, and spiritual experiences. And love a good life lesson and spiritual yeah. experience. So we've got these two groups, the Lamanites and the Nephites. Okay? Okay. The Nephites are essentially the good guys. This comes from Nephi. He's the chosen son mm-hmm. to, to lead this, this group. The Lamanites are the bitter other you know, stepchildren kind of vibe. Sure. Okay. So, they essentially have basically a civil war between the two groups because they've expanded, there's families, this is over time, right? Mm-hmm. They've built up these communities, they're at war. And God calls up this guy named Mosiah to bring the Nephites who are in the southern part north to the land of the Melekites, Okay. Cool. (laughs) The leader of this group is Zarahemni. That one you made up. I did not. (laughs) It's a spell. And they welcome Mosiah. How do I say his name? Mosiah? Mosiah? And his group. Especially because Mosiah has brought some ancient texts from prophets such as Moses and Isaiah.
0: So his name, Mosiah, is the combination of Moses and Isaiah. That is correct. (laughs) That is correct. I'm not sure how that made
1: it past the... uh, (laughs) I did not notice that. It sure does. That is a fact. Yeah. Okay, so the Northern Territory now becomes the Nephites' home. So some of the Nephites traveled down south again years later to see if they can reestablish the land that they've lost. So they, quote, fell into bondage by the Lamanites. And I don't know if that means that they were enslaved by them. Or if that they, you know, became sinful with them. I don't know the Ooh. translation okay. of that. But they tried to escape and they ended up wandering like way north and got lost. But they unknowingly discovered the land of Jareditis. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait.
0: Of the <laughs> And Jareditis discovered. sounds like so much more fun. Also sounds like a venereal disease.
1: And they discovered the writings of Ether on 24 gold plates. So, Ether. 24 karat gold or 24 plates? 20, 24 plates. Okay. Actual plates, like pieces of metal, plates of metal. Got it. I don't know the, um, the carats the carrots <laughs> of these plates. So, they start collecting these texts, right? So, mm-hmm. Ether has some, and uh, Mosiah has some. And all of the books they're finding at this point, these are the books that are written in first person because they're written by the guys that have them with them. Yeah. And what I noticed in the Book of Mormon in general is that it does a great job of validating its points later. It has this <laughs> it has this sense of of mentioning something and then it becoming credible later. Okay. So, an example is in the first book of Nephi, he talks about the prediction of a prophet Mm -hmm. who has 12 disciples Mm -hmm. and who will be betrayed. Sounds a lot like Jesus. Sounds a lot like Jesus. So, Nephi predicted the
0: birth and death of Jesus. I mean, it seems a little after the fact to me, but who am I to judge? Well, but it was before. It was...
1: According to those dates, it was 600 years before Jesus was even
0: born. But I thought Nephi was after Jesus and was coming over. No, this is all before.
1: This is 600. Oh, okay. This is before Jesus is born. Oh, well, Mm -hmm. in that case. This is pre-Jesus. Good job, Nephi. Proud of you. (laughs) eh. So King Messiah dies, and his son was next in line for the crown. So he sends a search party for the Nephites that were down south, either being enslaved or living in sin. Um, so he was able to grab them and bring them up to the Northern Territory again. And the the gold plates that had been collected were able to be translated with a gift from God. So that all the Nephites can know the word and the translation of this book in the Book of Mormon uh, was is now under the Book of Ether. So it's important to note that all of these texts on all of these gold plates were written in a language called, quote, Reformed Egyptian. So translation is necessary
0: for anybody to read them. Okay, so, but if God gave them the gold plates... No. These guys supposedly... They found the gold plates
1: these are these are oh fuck i don't know if they
0: wrote them then how could they be in right and and if they came from god like the the 12 commandments that god gave moses but they're in the first person let me check let me check maybe god spoke more directly to them than he did to moses
1: no ether is not in first person so i guess all of those were, were found or given by by god and then they were translated later
0: seems like a dick move though because if god had the ability to translate them seems like he's you know mm-hmm. just giving you extra homework mm-hmm. how but, much do you want to read these
1: but nephi's were written his books are written in first person okay and his still needed to be translated and we'll find that out later
0: so that is confusing I mean, really, this whole story is just mm-hmm. confusing. The timeline is strange, and, like, I, I see where we're going with it. So, expand your mind.
1: We're used to, I mean, this is like Old Testament times. Okay. Just think of it that way.
0: Okay. I think what threw me off initially was the fact that it's sort of like a Third Testament, mm-hmm. but taking place about the time of the old testament Mm -hmm. so it feels like it should come later it should be the sequel
1: well there it's throughout time we're just talking about the the beginning of the contents that are in the book of mormon okay well and even actually we're not even talking about we're starting with nephi and there's another book that talks about stuff that happens before then we're starting with okay which is the first book in the book of mormon
0: okay nephi one there's four Damn, Nephi was a big guy. Big guy.
1: Well, some of them are Lots written by say. his son, which we'll get to. Hmm. Also named Nephi. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually we're gonna we're gonna get to it right now. Oh, so good. what happens next? So the third book of Nephi is a very important book. This is not our OG Nephi, but generations later. I literally have in my notes this is me attempting to write a joke. He's not a vampire, period. But people in the Bible live forever period. Like Noah was 600 years old when the flood happened. So it's not, quote, impossible that they weren't the same guy, comma, but it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Um, We are going back to the discussion about consistency and how the book continues to confirm and affirm itself. In the first verse of Nephi, it states, quote, Now it came to pass that ninety and first year had passed. And it was 600 years from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. And it was the year that Laconius was the chief judge and the governor over the land. So, basically what that's saying is, it's 600 years after ne- Lehi's son Nephi, mm-hmm. they left and went to the Americas. Okay. So, this is 600 years later. They know that Jesus Christ has been born because it stays light, fully lit for one full day. And they knew years later that Jesus had died when, quote, and it came to pass in the 30 and 4th year, so 34 years, Mm -hmm. in the first month of the fourth day of the month, there arose a great storm such as one had never been known in all of the land end quote. So, very specific. So, they're saying 34 years later, Jesus died. Got it. Which is true because he was like, you know, between 32. So, they're like literally giving examples.
0: That is fascinating. That is fascinating. A major meteor- meteorological event mm-hmm. for both. Like, And if
1: you're reading this as a believer, that is huge validation. Oh, absolutely. You're like, look. They got this math right. Yeah, That's it goes back wild. to point two
0: from the uh, mm-hmm. Day Saints mm-hmm. website. That's right. They confirm each other. So Jesus um, spends,
1: uh, you know, he, he dies, he's resurrected. He then spends 40 days with his disciples and then ascends into the heavens and then reascends into the Americas where the Nephites are. So he presents himself to the Nephites. So they feel the puncture wounds in his hands. They're like, oh, this is Jesus. Jesus teaches the Nephites the Lord's Prayer, and he tells the Nephites that, they are, uh, that they're the other sheep that he spoke about. So remember we were talking about oh, the sheep? Oh, yeah, yeah. Got other sheep. It's coming full circle. Yeah. Quote, he teaches them about baptism and forgiveness, he heals their sick and blesses their children, he establishes his church. Unlike those in Jerusalem, the people listen to Jesus, and afterwards they live in peace for hundreds of years, Oh, end quote. Love that. Interesting. So, let's see. So, let's talk about the words of Mormon. Okay. Okay. So, Mormon is visited by his ancestor Amaron, who has hid the existing gold plates slash texts from years before. Okay. okay, so the the lineage has gone on and on and on. Amaron comes back, talks to Mormon. Hey, remember those family documents we have? I hid them. I have them
0: all. I'm going to tell you where to get them. It's a lot more interesting than finding money in your grandma's mattress, <laughs> right? So here's some gold texts,
1: I'm going to be reading from the book, and I'm going to do my very best. Okay, okay. So this is from the first chapter of uh, the words of Mormon. Quote, and now I, Mormon, make a record of all things which I have been seen, which I have both seen and heard, and call it the Book of Mormon. And about the time that Amaron hit up the records unto the Lord, he came unto me, I being about ten years of age. And I began to be learned somewhat after the manner of the learning of my people. And Amoron said unto me, I perceive that thou art a sober child. And art quick to observe. Therefore, when ye are about twenty and four years, only I would that ye should remember the things that ye had observed concerning this people, and that ye are of the age to go to the land Antum unto the hill, which shall be called Shem, and where I deposited unto the Lord all the sacred engravings concerning his people. And behold, ye shall take the plates of Nephi unto your... Unto yourself, and remember that ye that shall ye leave in the place where they are, and ye shall engrave on the plates of Nephi all the things that ye have observed concerning his people. So he's like, Hey, when you're twenty-four, this is where I hid the plates, you're gonna go find him. So this was like a very big job to tell a ten-year-old. Yeah. So his job is to collaborate these works onto one set of gold plates. Now, although this is the first part of the book, the rest of the book discusses uh, like another battle. So the beginning of of the Mormon chapter, basically, he's like, I was instructed to put these together. And then he talks about this weird, uh, another battle between the Nephites and the Lamanites where a scalping is involved uh, with a sword. And it ultimately ends when the Lamanites promise never to fight the Nephites again. But Mormon is unable to finish the plates because of death, and his son Moroni finishes the last two books of the Bible, or the two books of the Book of Mormon, excuse me, uh, which are Ether, Ether and Moroni. Mm-hmm. So, again, discussing the battle of the Lamanites and the Nephites and the importance of accepting Jesus. So, the Ether and Moroni are, again, just talking about the Nephites and the Lamanite. Uh, and the Lamanites, and talking about how it's important to trust Jesus. So that is an overall arc of the actual book. So three big, three big topics: the Nephites and the Lamanites. That there was conflict among them. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is is great, and he came to uh, America to be with the Nephites specifically. Jesus came to America. Jesus came to America. Did you miss that? I missed that. Jesus came Was, to the Nephites. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Cool. yeah, And they touched his hand and they were like, yeah, that's you.
0: Yeah, no, I got that part. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realize that happened in America. I thought we were still Mm-mm. somewhere in the Middle East. No,
1: Nephite, remember Nephite?
0: Yeah, I He got, took his family. Yeah, we're, all, yeah. we're in the
1: Americas. We've okay. never left.
0: Jesus came to America.
1: Yeah, the Nephites, the Lamanites, all <laughs> these are in. Cool. All these are in the Americas. Cool, cool. So next week, we're going to talk about where that is. We're going to talk about Joseph Smith,
0: and we're going to talk about authorship. Okay, So, but you said three things. So we've got Neophytes and Lamanites. Mm -hmm. Jesus was a cool dude who came to America. What was the third thing?
1: And the third is that um, Mormon is tasked with this big project to write down and collaborate
0: all of these books to create one text. So he's essentially Chaucer. Yeah. Cool. I feel like there's a lot of overlap between the Canterbury Tales and Chaucer, the Bible, um, and a bunch of made up... er, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave it at Canterbury Tales and Chaucer and the Bible. Which is really, the Bible and the Canterbury Tales also have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. To be fair. I have so much more to say. Like, this is just
1: literally, like, the tip of the iceberg. There is a huge discussion um, surrounding the Lamanites and the Nephites and who that might be perceived, what groups of people that might be perceived to be, which you kind of touched
0: on it earlier. Is it similar to the idea about Cain and Abel and Cain being... Marked, quote Correct. unquote, and racial implications of that? Yes. So we're covering that more next week? Yes. Okay. So I'm like doing my very best to save all of my questions mm-hmm. because I have so many.
1: Oh, it's a really big topic. It's a really big topic. So, you know, if we were going to do the Bible, um, like even like, let's say we did the New Testament. There's still, so many things to cover. It would take you a year. It would be. And, and, and same thing with this. Like, there's a hundred things we didn't talk about. But this is, that's like the major overarching theme of the actual texts
0: of, of the Book of Mormon. Well, this is fascinating. And I can't wait to hear more about uh, Joseph Smith and his interpretation.
1: How do you feel about
0: all of this taking place in the Americas? Um, I think it's whitewashing a lot of history. Mm -hmm. Like, we already have so many white Jesus ideas and images Mm -hmm. um, that allow people to distance themselves from the fact that Jesus was a person of color. Mm -hmm. Like, Jesus was Middle Eastern. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that it's fascinating it also feels like it's dismissive of indigenous people who are living here at the time. Um, it feels problematic as mm-hmm. a whole. I just don't love it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What are your thoughts? Like, you're the one who's done all this research. I know you have a lot of thoughts. and Yeah. I'm trying not to spoil anything from next
1: week. Um, everything come. Everything is very clear after we figure after we solve the authorship question um, and the time frame question. Um, it everything becomes a little more clear about the intentions of the book. Okay. And from a historical perspective, like we're not going to shy away. Like I'm presenting that as the LDS Church believes this, and. Um, which was today, and then next week is like this is the this is
0: what happened. <laughs> okay, cool. So we get the second half of the story next week. You sure do. Cool. Um, I am super excited to hear more about that. Yay! Yeah. So I think both of these stories are cuckoo bananas. Oh, for sure. Well, Intersections wise, there's <laughs> one. <laughs> Check, and not just in. I, I think purely in the sense that there's so much information. There's so much that neither of us knew about the other. Like, normally we have a touch point, a starting point for our topics this mm-hmm. week. And I feel like both of our stories were wild rides mm-hmm. and a lot really nuanced. A lot to follow. Um, you didn't know what was going to happen next. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know where the twists and turns were. I mean, literally all I know about the Book of Mormon is latter-day saints Mm -hmm. and there's a musical yeah like and i also want to reiterate that like this is just
1: the the lds church's belief system this is just these are just the texts so it's it's hard to follow it's a lot um a lot of the the history stuff again we're going to talk about next week
0: well we're not expecting our listeners to become religious scholars Oh, after I am. listening to this, I am. There will be a quiz. Well, you are a religious scholar at this <laughs> point. I mean, I'm a theologian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think we have two history heavy topics this week, but both, like, there's so much of spiritualism and religion that is also mental. Mm-hmm. Um, and belief systems are fascinating to study. And it's a topic that I'm going to be covering eventually. Yeah. So oh, yeah. even though I think. Like yours really focused on the foundations of a system of belief. And mine focused on trying to control people's minds and what they mm-hmm. believe. A zero belief in ethics is what yours is. Ooh. Oh, good intersection there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it intersects with, but it's there.
1: My also, uh, Mormons don't do L- uh, LSD,
0: they do LDS.
1: Oh, oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just stop over ahead, shit. I think that's great. <laughs> Can you tell it's 9:30 now on yeah. a Tuesday night? On a Tuesday, rolling up on a Tuesday. So proud of us. Well, thank you guys so much for listening this week. We would love it if you would leave us a five-star review with a little comment on Apple Podcast. If you are interested in becoming a Patreon and picking a topic for us, head on over to patreon.com. You can search for us under Podcast Without an Audience. At a certain level, you are able to choose a topic. Our pasta recipe, which is secret and very desirable, is also up for grabs. (laughs) Did you see my... um, my savory oatmeal recipe today. <laughs> it was so cute. You did a great job with it. <laughs> I decided I was like, I'm making it. So I might as well just, uh, give it away for free we'll love that, Fill and put it on the story. So we'll, for all of our friends, we'll put that on Patreon. So patrons can access it later. Oh, that's um, a great idea. And I think I might do, I might make one this weekend. So a little bit, a little bit more recipes coming at you. Um, we have gotten a lot of new listeners lately. So welcome. We are so happy to have you. Welcome to the Island of F- Misfit Toys. We're so glad you're here. So glad. You and fit right in? fit right in. And we are here to support each other. And if you support us, blink twice.
0: And if you're out there, keep listening.
1: Thank you for listening to Podcast Without an Audience. Find us on social media at Pod Without an Odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Or find us on the web at Podcast Without an Audience.com. Shoot us an email at podwithoutanod at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo.
0: Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver. Editing by Jacob Beeson. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. Again, thanks, and keep listening.